0: Lord God, we come before you this morning and we ask for your wisdom to be upon us as we talk about this topic. We're going to be getting into um, just the the various issues of of dating um, and and relationships and and all those sorts of things, and these things are are very, very important. We talk about these things every year because it is so important for us to uh, really think through these things and to think about what is your will for our life and And so I know that people are all over the board as far as where they're at. Some are dating in this room. Some aren't. Some are interested in another person. And so these things are immediately applicable to uh, their lives. And so I pray that uh, you would just use me in whatever capacity that you'd want and um, that you would help us just to see the wisdom from uh, the Word of God on what we should do and how we should handle ourselves. So be with us today. Thank you for your Word. Thank you that it is everything that we need for life and godliness, that it is a light into our feet, and into our path, and I pray that we would use it, uh, that we wouldn't just have this light and then just not use it when it comes to the decisions that we are making in our life that could really make some serious impacts into the future. So be with us today. Help us to see the things you want us to see. Help us to hear the things you want us to hear, and I pray that you would be honored because of it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so now we get into the awesome topic of dating, engagement, and marriage. Which I know is completely boring, and you guys are not interested in this whatsoever. Um, So we're going to get into some of these things. But these things are very, very important. And like I have said in the past, this whole series has been based on things that I have learned, both good and bad, and a lot through my mistakes. And so the things that I share, um, I'm sharing from them personally, things that I have learned the hard way. And frankly, I just don't want you guys to go through the same things that I have gone through. It's not easy to navigate these sorts of things because, I mean, one of the, the best the best verses is Proverbs 4.23. Anyone know that one? Proverbs 4.23. This is a verse that you have got to know, especially when it comes to your phase of life. Come on. Anybody. I'll give you the first word. Keep. Keep the heart. Or- Yes, keep thy heart with all all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Some of us do a better job than others with keeping your heart. And what I mean by keeping your heart is other translations use the term guard, which is okay, but keeping it is different. Keeping is different. Guarding it is you're guarding against things that are coming against it, which is true. But when you're keeping something, it's something that's very, very precious to you. It's something that you don't want to let go of. When you're guarding something, you don't have to be holding it. You can just be guarding it or standing in front of it. The Bible says to keep your heart with all diligence. It should be something that you are always diligent about. And a lot of people, they just give their heart away. They give their heart away too quickly. They give their heart away, not only to other people, but to other things. And in doing so, God loses a piece of you that he ought to have. And we don't think about these things. Because a common theme growing up among children and teenagers alike, because I've been there and I know this, is that we just don't think about our actions. We don't think about them. And when we do, we don't really think through them completely. Like we don't think about, okay, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And if that happens, then this is going to happen. And if that happens, then this is going to happen. We don't think that way. And we need to be more exercised in thinking through things all the way to the end. We have to like for example if you're not thinking about eternity future if you're not thinking about the day that you see jesus christ face to face where you have to give an account for your life if you're not thinking about that day then you are going to make some very poor decisions now but if you are thinking about that day and you are thinking about the day that you see christ face to face and you're thinking about eternity future where there will be no more school and for those of you that are born again, there will be no marriage because you're not going to be married, the Bible says, in the eternity future. You're going to be serving God day and night doing whatever his will is, and you're going to love doing it. And you start thinking about that day, then the things of this life will matter a lot less, and you will want to be more wise about the decisions that you make. And it's the same thing for this particular topic. So we're going to get into this. We're going to have some question and answer time a little bit. um, And I want you guys to just be honest about these sorts of things with yourself, with each other, um, and just really consider these things and to think about them and to think through them in your own life. Okay, so let's hit the paragraph and we'll get going. All right, so the dating, engagement, and marriage process that most of us are familiar with today is something that is relatively new. From ancient past until early 1900s, politics, money, and power were the only reasons for marriage, not emotion. And if you've ever thought about that before, but that's really how it was. What you see now, and it really started in the 1920s, all the way up until today, is when this whole concept of dating and, and marrying somebody because you love them actually exists. Prior to that, I mean, just go back and watch any other shows. I mean, if you watch... I mean, there's tons of shows that, that, that are out there right now. Like, if you ever watch The Crown... You know, there's one. If you ever watch some of the old, they, the marriages were always arranged. They were always arranged. And especially if you were in status or you had power and influence. Because they, were, they, were, they married each other in order to keep their power, and their <coughs> influence, and their money. And so that was the way that things worked typically. And so um, this whole concept of love between a husband and wife was considered weakness from the world's perspective. It was something that could only be found through adultery. And that's the way they looked at it back then. And let's be honest, this kind of love that the world refers to is nothing more than lust. This is one of the things that drives me nuts. There's a lot of people that are very quick to say that they love each other when they really don't. They're just lusting after one another because what the world calls love is not what God calls love. The very definition of love, of being Jesus Christ himself, giving himself to die on the cross for your sin, something that he did not really want to do, but something that he chose to do because he loves us. And that is the definition of marriage. It really is. Because you don't marry someone based on your emotions. Because your emotions are going to change. The infatuation that you have for that person is going to die. Your love for that person is always based on a concrete choice. That's why when it comes to God, you can always count on God You can always count on your relationship with him and where he says, I will never leave you or forsake you because you do things all the time that upset God, right? You sin and you disobey and you upset God all the time. If your relationship with God was based on emotion, he would have broken up with you a long time ago, a long time ago. It's based on a choice. It's based on an objective, rational choice where God had said, I love this person I am going to choose to suffer and die for them regardless of what they do to me. That's what, that's what it is. And so that's how this world does not define love. This world, its definition of love is just flat out lust. And so, as we continue, one of the main ways pride manifests itself is through lust. It is a very powerful tool that our flesh, this world, and the enemy of God employs to defile us and God's plans and purposes for our lives. Before we dive any deeper into this part of the series, we need to review some very important groundwork. So you guys know the answers to these if you've spent any time with us. Um, and so what is the most important relationship we should always focus on? The top priority. What is the most important relationship that we should focus on? Yeah. Mhm. Your relationship with God is the most important relationship you should focus on. And why is that? Why is your relationship with God top priority? Because it sets the standard for all the the interactions you have with people in the rest of your life. Yes. Your relationship with God defines every other relationship that you have. Every single one. If you desire to honor God, to love God, to walk with Him, to be with Him, to represent Him well in this world then that will make itself known through the friends that you have, how you treat your parents, how you treat your teachers, the people that you are interested in when it comes to dating, the people that you're interested in when it comes to your future marriage, all those sorts of things. You loving God is very, very evident, very evident. Like, this may sound a little bit judgmental, and take it for what it is, um, but judgmental is something else. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I can tell when you guys are walking with God and when you're not. I can tell. I can tell based on your countenance. I can tell based on your interactions with other people. I can tell by your faithfulness and your attendance. I can tell by the um, opportunities that you have that you pass up on when it comes to evangelism or your lack of participation in class. I can tell. I can tell. Now, being judgmental Now, that's not wrong for me to do. That's part of my job. The Bible says that I'm supposed to look well to my flock. I'm supposed to make sure everybody's okay. That's part of my responsibilities. But here's being judgmental, that I know that about you, and then I treat you differently. That I know that about you, that you're not walking with God, and I'm like, ugh, forget it, and then I become apathetic towards you, or I give you a bad attitude. That's being judgmental. There's nothing wrong with me knowing and making judgments on where you're at with the Lord. That's part of my responsibility. But I just want you to know, everyone else knows too. Everyone else knows. Everyone else knows if you're walking with God or not. This is not something that you can fake. Because eventually things fall apart. The sham that you put together ends up cracking and people can see right through it. Some more than others. Now there's other people that are just flat out oblivious. Um, They tend to be labeled with the label of airhead. Where they just don't, they miss everything. Everything just kind of goes over their head. But most people, most people know if you're walking with God or not. They do. And so when it comes to this particular topic, we know we know whether or not you're walking with God based on the decisions that you make. Because someone that loves God and walks with God, they make certain decisions. That's just what they do. This isn't rocket science, and you shouldn't be offended by that. You should actually let that be something that God uses to convict you. And you should look at the decisions that you're making and saying, am I an accurate reflection of a born-again believer, or am I making some poor decisions here? And then change if you really want to honor God. But see, that's the difference between thinking eternally on eternal things or thinking in the moment here and now. And they can make or break a lot of your decisions. So the most important relationship that you should always focus on is God. Now, here's my question. Are you even doing that? Is God your top priority? Because if God is not your top priority, you should not even be considering dating anybody right now. You shouldn't. Because God has to be in the process. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Now, that might be hard for you to accept or hard for you to believe. But I'm telling you, that is the best road to travel. It is the best road. And if you are not, if you are not treating God as your top priority, as your most valuable relationship in your life, then your other relationships are going to be trashed. Some way, somehow, sin's going to get in. It's going to affect your thinking. It's going to affect your relationship. It's going to. It's going to. God has to be your most important relationship. It has to be. It has to be. If you want a good relationship that's fruitful, that is not full of regret and mistakes, you have to walk with God. You must. It is imperative that you do that. Absolutely imperative. Okay, let's go on to the next question. What is the purpose of the marriage relationship? What's the purpose? All right, for this one, I want you to talk to the person next to you, and if there's odd people in the row, figure it out. All right, what is the purpose of the marriage relationship? Let's <laughs> see. <laughs> All right, we should have an answer by now, right? Okay, we got it? All right, purpose of the marriage relationship. Elliot, what is it? <laughs> this is the first time I've called on somebody that doesn't volunteer. I don't. I hardly ever do that. <laughs> well, Andy, too late. You already are married. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> All right, Elliot, what's the purpose? Um, to have kids and multiply and teach them to serve the Lord. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so in order to do that, in order to do that, you have to marry a spouse that also desires to do that same thing. You have to. Some of you live in homes where one parent is very spiritual, walks with God, has a good relationship, and the other one does not. And let me ask you, you don't have to answer, but let me ask you, how well does that go in your home? It doesn't go well. There's probably a lot of conflicts and a lot of fights because you have differing priorities. And some of you live in an environment where neither one. And yet you're trying to pursue God. You're trying to do the things of God. And that doesn't go well either. That's very hard. Very, very hard. I've been in situations with even my friends growing up where they had gotten saved. They were born again. Their parents were not. And there came a point where they're like, I don't want you to go to church anymore. I mean, what do you do in that scenario? It's hard. It's hard. And so if you have parents that both love God and both want to walk with God, then, I mean, seriously, you should be praising the Lord for that. You should be thanking Him daily that you have parents that desire to honor the Lord. Because it's very, very hard in that circumstance to raise children and make good decisions if both the husband and the wife are not, are not in line with that purpose. So the purpose of, of a marriage relationship is to glorify God. And in the process of having a wife and having kids, you're raising them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because you want your kids to glorify God. You want your kids to be obedient to the Lord. But it starts with the parents. So the parents have to be following the Lord first. All right, good. So when the above questions are answered from a biblical perspective, how should it impact your views on dating? So knowing that your most important relationship should be God and that the purpose of the marriage relationship should be glorifying God, both at that point in time and all the way into the future until death do you part, then how should that impact your views on dating? And this can be, there's so many answers to this. So there's not necessarily a right or wrong. If there is, don't worry, I'll let you know. It's okay. But how should this impact your views on dating? Come on. I'm going to get you to think a little bit. I know you got brains that God gave you, most of you, that you can use. Yeah, go ahead. that you guys are aiming towards like the same like spiritual goals that you guys both are like building off of each other yes yes in a in a dating relationship you should have both people pursuing the same things because you're going to need one another because how many days do you like 100 walk with god and it's bliss like oh i'm just in heaven right now because i'm just walking with god so closely anybody all right okay but there are days that you are more obedient than others right But if you were to evaluate over the last month and you were to say a majority, I mean, would you say that the majority of days you walk with God or not? And some of you are all over the place. Like some might be, no, the majority is that I don't or I haven't at all. Um, Some of you say, well, maybe 50-50. Okay, well, on the 50-50, on the other side of it where you weren't walking with God, if you had someone else in your life that had no pursuit as far as their desire, they they did not want to pursue God, they're not interested in the things of God, and, and, I mean, what would that do to your relationship with the Lord? It would affect you dramatically. Dramatically. You would be walking less with God as a result of the person that you're dating, and that is not the situation that you want. Remember Amos? What's the name was three three? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? All right. So you have person number one. Give me a name. John Robert. John Robert. <laughs> John Rob. Okay. And then we'll do a lady. Letitia. Letitia. <laughs> Letitia. Okay. All right. You have a good apostrophe after the A. Oh, my bad. Rick would know. Rick would know. Okay. All right. So in order for this relationship to work out, guess what has to happen? John Rob. Uh, so you guys are quick to answer on stupid stuff. When it comes to spiritual things, you hesitate. Okay. When it comes to John Robb, what do you need to do? John Robb's walking one direction, and Letitia needs to walk in the same same direction. This is common sense. This is common, common sense. Now, here's the issue, though. Let's say Letitia. Letitia. Let's say that she's ungodly. Let's say she's unsaved and ungodly. Well, then what does John Robb have to do to walk in the same direction? To walk in the same direction as Letitia. What does he have to do? Compromise. He has to compromise his beliefs and his faith in order to walk with Letitia. All right? She's okay. Her mom's a pastor. <laughs> Not so, Andy. Not okay. All right. <laughs> but let's flip this for a second. Let's say, let's say for a second that Letitia is lost and John Robb is saved. Okay? What does Letitia have to do in order to walk with John Robb? She's got to get saved. And, and, yes, good point, legitimately, because I have known and I have experienced circumstances where people get saved just to date somebody, when it is not true whatsoever. They're just faking it. They're playing the game. She has to be saved. And, 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 how do you know if she's actually saved or not? By her walk. Yes, by her walk. So you have to see a pattern of godliness established in her life. So it takes <clears throat> time. It takes time. It takes time for that to happen. It's not something that can happen. See, I was in a situation where this girl had gotten saved. I let her to the Lord. And yeah, I'll give it time. I want to see if it's actually legit. Two months later then I start dating her. Okay. <laughs> you cannot, you cannot you cannot make accurate judgments on someone's faith and their walk with God by waiting for two months. You can't. There's no way. There's no way. I mean, at least give it six months. But even then, that's risky. I mean, it would be good to watch for a year, two years, to see if they're legit. Now, if you think, no, that's way too long. That is like, that's like an eternity. All right, hold on a second. This is about marriage. This is about marriage. Now, marriage is something that lasts for a long time. Time, A long, long time. And it makes a huge impact on the rest of your life. I mean, the whole course of your life. Because we're going to get to this point. So I got the the picture here. Dating leads to engagement. Engagement leads to marriage. I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) But I just wanted to let you know, let you in on that. That dating leads to engagement and engagement leads to marriage. That is pretty normal. That's how it works. And the reason why I throw it out that way is because most people don't treat it that way. Most people treat dating as something completely separate. They know in the back of their minds that eventually after they date for a while, they should get engaged and they should get married. But when you're dating somebody, marriage is normally not on the forefront of their mind. What's on the forefront of their mind is, man, this girl's cute. I like her. We got a lot of things in common. I want to hang out with her. Hey, I had a great time with her. That's all they're thinking about. They're thinking in the moment. They're thinking in the moment. They're not thinking about the future, the future, See, thankfully, I'm, I'm so appreciative the way my parents raised me because it instilled inside of me early, early, early on that I was never going to date someone that I knew that I could marry. I never wanted to date someone if I didn't see that I was going to marry them one day. What's the point? Why do that? I mean, why, why give my heart to a person and then eventually either I crush her heart or she crushes mine if I don't know for sure that it's worth the risk? Your heart is expensive. Your emotions are expensive. They're precious. You don't just willingly just give those things away? No, they're very valuable to you. That's why Proverbs 4, 423, "Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life." If you give your heart away and then it gets damaged, now you have what we call baggage. And that baggage is something that you're going to have to carry. As you start to have other relationships and then maybe your heart gets crushed again and now you have even more baggage and then you make mistakes here and you have even more baggage and then it just comes to the point where you don't just you don't you're not able to have good relationships at all because you haven't done things the right way and that is not the way to go you always need to be thinking long term you should never date someone if there is no possibility that you could marry them let's read this paragraph the most important decision of your life is whether or not you'll receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and be born again. That is the top most important decision that you could make in this life. The second most important decision in your life is who you will marry. These two decisions will forever determine the direction and course of the rest of your life. God certainly has the ability to use our lives for his honor and glory regardless of what we decide, but do not be fooled. Satan knows how important these decisions are and he will do everything in his power to alter God's direction for your life. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You have to know that the devil's top priority is to keep lost people lost. That's what he wants. He wants people that are lost to continue to be blinded so they don't see the gospel. That's his top priority. But if he can't do that, then the second thing that he's going to do is he wants to keep Christians, born-again Christians, (laughs) defeated and down so that way they don't share the gospel. This is why this past week, if you've even tried the challenge, whenever you try to do something spiritual, you have a spiritual conversation or you try to talk to somebody about Christ or the gospel, here's what happens. You go to do it and you go, You hesitate because there's something at work in the unseen world to try to stop you from sharing the gospel. There's something in your flesh that is also the enemy of God, by the way, that wants to stop you from sharing the truth with people. And so when it comes to this issue of dating, it's the exact same thing. These things are hard decisions to make, but you have to see these with your eyes wide open. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. I love this. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Man, I love that verse. See, God understands what we're going through and he desires for us to throw all of our care upon him because he's able to bear it, but he understands it. So it's not like God's being unreasonable and there's no reason to be questioning God on any of these things because he understands it. So we just need to throw all these cares at his feet. But look at verse eight, be sober, be vigilant. Stop there for a second. To be sober, what is the antithesis to that? Antonym? What is it? Drunk. Don't be drunk. There is a lot of people when it comes to dating and relationships that are drunk on their emotions. They're drunk on their emotions. All they're filled is with lust and desire, and they don't think straight. And you know they don't think straight because they're, they're, they don't even think reasonably. They don't think reasonably. I remember when I was in this circumstance, and I was dating a girl in high school, and my friend came to me who was a faithful friend who loved me. We went to church together, and he's like, Stephen, I'm just concerned. I'm concerned because you're dating this girl, and I just don't think it's good for you. I mean, he flat out just told me this. He cared enough about me to tell me this. And I was a little upset because he came against me, but the first thing that I did is I got defensive. I got defensive, and I began justifying it. Well, he doesn't understand. He has no idea what I'm going through. He has no idea. No, he has, he's just, yeah, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, and I just kind of blew it off. And then when my world fell apart, I looked back on that moment, and I was very thankful for him. He cared enough about me to tell me. Very, very thankful. Very thankful. And so this is so important because the devil, he does not want you to be sober. He doesn't want you to be vigilant. What's the opposite of vigilant? Not vigilant. vigilant. you got some geniuses in here. (laughs) Not vigilant. What does that mean? Blind. What else? Unaware. Unaware distracted right because you're not focused on the right things it's the same thing it can be immediately applied to dating so be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour if you've ever watched any nation in the nation nation nature nation shows nature shows and where you've seen lions attacking prey when it comes to the prey What do you notice about the things that they do? I mean, prey know that the lion's out there because they can hear the lion, but they can't necessarily see him or her. So what do they do? What's the prey do? Usually there's one or two that do what? They look around. They keep a lookout. And in the moment that they see something, what do they do? They run. And the ones that have their head down because they're eating or drinking, what do they do? They run, because the others are running. (laughs) Now, 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 listen to this, though. If all of their heads were down, and the lion came, no one would see it, so none in the pack are going to start running, which signals to the others, I need to run. I don't know why, but I need to run. That happens in Um, (laughs) cross-country. I mean, am I right? Am I right? Okay. So, if all their heads are down, and no one's keeping a lookout, then what's going to happen? Somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to die. Now, the whole pack's not going to die, but somebody's going to die. It's the same thing with your heart. If your attention is down and you're not being sober and being vigilant, there's part of your heart that's going to die. Part of your heart is going to die because you're less vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. You've got to think about this. He knows that your future is important. He knows that who you marry is of utmost importance. He knows how that's going to change the course and the direction of your life. And so he wants you to marry someone that is foolish. He wants you to marry someone that doesn't love God. He wants you to be involved with someone that doesn't care about the things of God whatsoever because it will affect you for the rest of your life. And it'll just be another thing that he can use to keep you down and defeated. That's what he wants. And you have to know that. And so then knowing that, eyes wide open, being vigilant, then you should know, I like this girl. I really like this guy, but I can't date him can't it's not right because they don't love God they say they're a Christian but they're not walking with God this is my future I mean this could be my future spouse it's not worth it I can't I mean if we were to have kids I mean how would it be with my kids and my future and I just can't do it And you gotta think about this stuff you have to if you don't you're going to have major regret. Major, major regret. See, one of the things where I knew that Megan was the one I was going to marry, I knew, is because she loves her family to death. I mean, more than anything else, she has always been a family girl. Always. But there came a point in time in her life where it was either I follow the Lord or I keep my family relationships. And she made the decision... With tears to say, I need to follow the Lord. And I look back on that and I said, she's a keeper. Because I knew when it came down to the wire, she would choose God over anybody else. I knew she would. And she's not perfect and she makes mistakes. But I knew, I knew, because when the pressure's turned on, you get to see who someone actually is. And that's when I knew. But it took time. It took time for me to know for sure that she was the one that I was supposed to marry. Very important. All right. Turn the page. So on this topic of dating, never forget, every date is a potential mate. Let that one ring in your head a little bit. Every date's a potential mate. Every date's a potential mate. And say it with weird accents because it'll stick. All right? Every date's a potential mate. All right. So dating leads to engagement, engagement leads to marriage. Consequently, you should never date anyone that you do not see yourself marrying. Look at things from this point of view is, or looking at things from this point of view is foreign for most people, but you need to remember you, you are not most people. If you're born again, you are a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Your life is not your own. That's 1 Corinthians 6. Great verse to look at that one later, verse 20. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. Therefore, choose to rise up to the standard that is becoming of your family name. That's what you need to do. Don't go downward. Don't compromise. Choose to understand, I belong to God. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and I belong to Him. I'm in His family. And so then I need to make sure that I'm rising myself up to His standard. And here's the hard part with all this is very few especially teenagers but very few people have this perspective so automatically it thins the field like your options as far as who you're going to date and who you're going to marry automatically just i mean it just it eliminates almost 80 to 90% of the people that you would normally consider and see that's the hard part because then that means they got to wait they got to wait we don't want to wait. We're impatient. We're impatient. But I am telling you, if there's anything that's worth waiting for, it is waiting for the right person to marry. It is so important. This is why the Bible talks about that the virtuous woman, her price is far above rubies. It's like one out of a thousand that you have to search and try to find her because she's hard to find. But I'm telling you, once you found her, you have no regret. You'll have no regret. None. But it's going to take some work. It's going to take some serious work. Because there's a lot of people, even in our church, that are just not interested in walking with God. Like Just because someone calls himself a Christian doesn't mean, okay, I can marry them. Just because someone comes to our church doesn't mean, oh, I can marry them. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There's a lot of people in this church that if you were to ask me, I'd be like, mm-mm-mm, mm-mm, nope, uh-uh. And so you should. You should be thinking about things from God's perspective. One out of a 1,000. One out of 1,000. All right, I'm going to explain this uh, triangle thing, and then we're going to be done. Um, and I want you to think about these other questions that are here, but I, w- I want to explain this, and then we're going to get back into this a little bit um, in the weeks to come. All right, so you've got two triangles here. You've got the upside-down triangle, which is the world's way, and you have God's way. So marriage, engagement, and dating. All right, so this is how this works out normally when it comes to these relationships. So God's way, on the bottom part of the triangle, I want you to write the word, what is it? Spiritual. Spiritual. The spiritual side of the relationship has to be the foundation. God's way is that you start with the spiritual. If a person is not saved, you shouldn't be dating them. I understand emotions, and I understand feelings, and I understand how you might like them, or you might be infatuated with them. I totally get that. But that cannot matter in this circumstance. This is about your future. This is about your future marriage and the things that are going to come out of that future marriage. So the beginning foundation has to be the spiritual. You have to be born again. Both of you have to be on the same page with that. But more than that, you both have to be walking with God. It, if, if it is your heart's desire to walk with God, to love God, to honor God, then that has to be the heart desire of the other person. It's got to be. And that takes time for it to reveal itself. So the spiritual is first. Secondly, the second tier is emotional. Spiritual and then emotional. And, that, and I kind of just label that engagement. I mean, there's part of the emotional side in dating, for sure, because you invest your emotions in the dating relationship. But the emotional side of you is the things that we have in common, the likes and dislikes, um, the different things that you like about that person, uh, the things they do, the things they don't do, whatever. That's more of the emotional side, how they make you feel. And then lastly, up at the top, you have the physical. And physical is always last. And if you doubt that, just look at the pattern in Scripture. Because when we are saved, you know what happens? When you're born again, you're saved because of the truth that you're a sinner and need a Savior. It begins spiritual. And then as you walk with God, you get to know Him. You get to know how He thinks, how He feels. You get to know Him personally on a personal level. That's the emotional side. And then lastly, when we die or when we're raptured, we see God face to face. We see the physical. So that is the pattern that you see in the scriptures. Spiritual, emotional, physical. Every time. That is the right pattern to follow. That is the right path to follow. And if you have things right spiritually, awesome. And then there's a lot of people that are on the same page spiritually, but then they get to the emotional side and they're like, mm, I don't think this is going to work out. And that's fine. And that's fine. And then when it comes to marriage, the physical, that's obviously the last thing. And it really doesn't matter in the end. And we'll talk more about that in the future because we're going to talk more about that in specifically. All right. So then the world's way is completely flipped upside down. So you can take those same three things and at the very top, of the world's way which is the upside down where it has marriage across you can put right there spiritual so just take everything and just flip it up on its head so spiritual is marriage the world's way engagement is still the emotional side and then dating is physical physical that's the world's way of looking at it so you look at these two triangles and what the world has done is it's taken God's way and just completely flipped it upside down because when the world comes to the topic of dating it's always physical first always It's always physical. It's always fleshly. And that's what catches people's eye. And that's what they go after. I mean, am I wrong about this? Those are the people that get your attention because of how they look or how they appear. And then, oh, they're funny. You know? Oh, we have a lot of things in common. That's the emotional side. And when we get around to it, we'll talk about the spiritual way of doing things. And that's not the way it goes at all. Spiritual should never be last. Never. It should always be first always and even then it may not be the right thing to do so just think about these questions and i mean you could even answer them in your head right now if you want to what is the perspective of your friends when it comes to dating (laughs) most friends they're not thinking about things god's way at all it's all about the flesh and how that person makes them feel what are your and their reasons for dating just to have fun how they make me feel just going out and having fun with them when did you and your peers start dating You know, I remember for us it was like, yeah, there was, I mean, little bits here and there going up through grade school, but really 6th, 7th grade is when things got turned up and then, of course, 8th grade. But I remember the first time I'd even heard about anybody having sex was in 6th grade. I think that was when I was going to middle school. I don't know how that was with you guys, but that's how I heard about it then. And then, uh, how many of you or your peers have successfully dated God's Way? And I would bet you that a lot of them, they're very rare. How many of your friends and your peers have dated God's way successfully? Very, very rare. Very rare. All right, so the topic of dating only becomes a gray area as we allow ourselves to be influenced by our flesh and the world around us. If we allow gray areas to exist in our dating life, then we will also most likely allow them to exist in our engagement and marriage relationship. Compromise will always lead to more compromise. To keep our hearts with all diligence in this area, we need to constantly see things from God's point of view, Which means we need to stay faithful in our Bible reading, studying, prayer life, and remembrance of God's purpose for our lives. The first first and most important relationship, the one with our Savior. The Lord greatly desires to bless us with the best spouse, but we must be willing to wait, follow his lead, and trust that he knows what is best. We must be careful not to follow our heart. You have to. You've got to be careful not to follow your heart. Proverbs 28, 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Fool. Everybody else says, just follow your heart. God says, uh-uh. If you do that, you're a fool. And if you just want to know that, and if you're not willing to trust what I have to say on it, just go ahead and make your decisions and then you'll find out. I don't want that to happen that way, but I'm telling you, that's what God says. And so if you want to go ahead and trust your own heart, you will be a fool. And you will make foolish decisions and you will be just feel very foolish i know i have all right so we're going to talk more about this because we're going to go in detail in the coming weeks um about uh, this triangle and how to go about this the right way next week we're going to take a look at a list i've got a list that we're going to go through on unbiblical reasons to date someone and biblical reasons to date someone so that should be fun to talk about all right let's pray if you've got any questions let us know i know this is a topic that can be embarrassing to talk about um or you're just flat out stubborn But I'm telling you, don't do that. Don't do that, because it's very, very important. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these reminders this morning. I pray, God, that we would make sound decisions, especially in this area, um, because it's an area that most people just are not vigilant with. They don't make good decisions, and then their life pays for it. And, um, And I know you're grieved by that, because you desire what's best, and oftentimes we don't choose what's best. And it's not easy to, to make those decisions. But I pray, God, that you would give us the courage and the boldness to do that. So thanks, God, once again for your word and how you love us and how patient you are with us and how you teach us and how you guide us, both through our successes and our failures. Um, you're just so good to us, God. We don't deserve it at all. So be with us now. Um, help us to pay attention in the main service to whatever you want us to learn. And I pray that we be obedient. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.